Hello and welcome to this podcast. I'm Rachel Day. I'm the founder of Flying School, an organisation that aims to help children and adults learn to fly, as well as giving them the tools to inspire others. When we're flying, there's a real presence of inner confidence that allows us to be ourselves. Our heads and our hearts are aligned and we feel invincible, ready to take on any challenge. But how do we get to that feeling? What were the events and moments in our lives that helped us? And what were those that stopped us? Over the coming weeks, I'll be interviewing a range of different people and asking them to share their examples of flying moments so that we can all learn how to fly and how to help our children fly. Thank you for joining us. So welcome, Sue. Um, This is our new guest today, Sue Walker. So Sue's a mum of two boys, Harry and Robert, uh, who are now sort of in their sort of mid to late teens. Um, She's currently a senior progress tutor at a sixth form college. Um, But previously, Sue's worked as a primary school head teacher. um, And in particular, in the I think just as I met Sue, she was working in helping schools turn around. I first met Sue at a Pilates class and we've been walking and talking ever since. Every time I have a conversation with Sue, I learn more about what it takes to learn to fly as a child and as an adult. And I'm so grateful that Sue's said yes to to being interviewed for this podcast. I especially love Sue's sense of fun and her ability to create teaching methods, which are really innovative and playful and fun. Um, so thanks so much, Sue, uh, for having the time today to talk to us. Um, is there okay. anything else that you would like to share about yourself that I've sort of missed there? Or yeah, what? <laughs> well, yes, straight straight away, I'm giggling at the thought of the fact that I certainly wasn't flying in a Pilates class. It's more <laughs> like a a whale <laughs> feeling very inadequate on the floor. <laughs> oh dear wonderful and so and in terms of you at the moment um one of the things I think I didn't mention is that on top of um helping me think about learning to fly and and being a a senior progress tutor I think you're also doing one-to-one tuition is that right Sue? Yes it's only in its uh, baby stages but I've done it on and off um for, for years really um, and the thing that struck me that ties into flying very much so is you start off being asked to tutor a subject and nowadays even a subject with sats in mind. Um, but what it always without fail turns into is confidence coaching and encouraging and getting creativity and imagination flowing in a young mind so that they just run away with it. And you end up sitting there and being slightly in awe of them, to be honest. And that's been the theme of every single one-to-one, small group. Um, Definitely. Mm, Brilliant. And I I often talk about flying as a bit of a feeling. Um, It's a feeling that we get when we know we're flying and we, and, um, we can sort of tackle anything, any moment. What, what about you when you're flying? What does it feel like for you? Can you describe sort of what it means to you, Sue? Um, I feel very much aligned with your last guest, Kenda, in the sense that um, I always thought flying 
was achievement and results and promotion and status and the size of your house and your interior decorating and all of those things. Um, and I, I thought it was aspirational in terms of, you know, becoming that head teacher, becoming that leader. Um, and there are elements of flying all of those things, but only if you're able to come at them from the right place. Um, the, the thing that struck me from Kenda was exactly the same as I feel now, um, that flying is a very deep inner peace and contentment, knowing in the, in the full knowledge that whatever's thrown at you and things will be, whatever season you're in and those change, um, if you've got some core beliefs and foundations and fundamental practices then you can ride those waves you can surf those currents um and enjoy it and not beat yourself up if it doesn't quite go the way you thought it would it's the ultimate freedom and the thing that then takes on a whole new level is just what flying school says it's be you and inspire others because if you're feeling like that inside, there's no one in the world that can't sense it, see it, hear it, feel it and catch it. Um, and that is a very beautiful thing. Wonderful. So I'm just going to pick up on something I heard you say there, which I just thought was great, which is that flying is the an ultimate freedom. Can you mm. tell me what, what do you mean by that? And has it, what's, Oh, do you know, I can tell you, I can't just tell you, I can actually give you an image of it because in this lockdown life, um, I was sitting outside in the sunshine and it struck me for the first time, there were no planes in the sky. And that might, they never used to bother me anyway. They used to make me feel a bit excited that people were traveling and I used to dream of exotic locations. But that in itself wasn't flying because then I started dreaming that I was somewhere other than where I am right now. And so I was sitting there noticing the planes. And then in place of the planes, I saw these two birds and they were probably hawks. And they were just circling on the currents, circling, circling, circling. And I've got a really, really strong faith in that image of eagles soaring, flying like, eagle, like eagles came to mind. And that is literally how I feel right now. And I've, I, you could argue I've always been trying to fly because I love learning. So I am by nature a learner and, and then a teacher, learner first. So I've always been trying to fly, but sometimes not taken off or not been able to fly very far, far or flapping, flapped around a lot nosedived, crash landed, all those things that are still all flying. But the thing that seems to be different at this moment in time is that the environment is absolutely suiting my wings. Um, the time and the space, the connection with other people, um, the emptiness of the roads, the just everything about it is are the, are the perfect flying conditions for me at this time. 
But um, what I never forget now is that this is a moment and this is a season and your flying will be tested in all sorts of different conditions. And again, we return to that fact that no matter how beautiful it was to feel like those hawks soaring, um, I'm also fully aware that they don't stay there. They move, move away. They, you know, they go and find food. They go and perch on branches. Other birds try and attack. All those things happen, but they still know how to fly in all those situations. I think one of the things I love um, about you, Sue, is your love of learning. It just comes through so much. And every time we talk, I think you're always sort of challenging yourself and thinking, do I, what do I think here now? What, you know, what, what am I learning? And you're so open to learning. Is that one of the things that has helped you fly? Is there anything else that's helped you learn how to fly over the years, would you say? Um, Learning has been the thread throughout um, my faith and my learning have been the constants when everything else fell away and um, again, you know there's a big message in the Bible that says we're not meant to do do it alone in our own strength, so I try to take my own strength and learning as um, the route to feeling happy and content. Um, but what I've learned that has taken me literally to a different altitude when it comes to flying has been reaching out to trusted others and being really mindful and selective about that. Um, you know, valuing everyone, but realizing that there are people of all different, you know, shapes and sizes, um, natures, but there are people um, that will help you fly and you also can reciprocate and help them fly. And I think that is what's taken me to a new level. And by that, I include my uh, you know, relationship with God, my relationship with people from church, my family, my friends, colleagues, uh, neighbors, and passes by. Um, but um, the thing I never managed was to reach out to them and be honest and transparent and vulnerable and ask for help when I needed it. I used to always think that strength was that, you know, that person who could put on a positive face, achieve another goal, turn around another school, help another person, and um, rescue. Oh, rescue people my worst trait ever because there's nothing that disempowers people more um and the absolute icing on the cake has been flying as a parent I've always felt like I could fly as a teacher not necessarily with other teachers or other colleagues or trust directors or leaders I've always felt like I could fly with the children and I've never doubted that at all. But when I couldn't fly with my own children, that nearly broke me. And now I am flying as a parent. And it's that old, oh, I have got some learning for you, but I don't know if you've, I don't know if you've got time for this. But I did, in true Walker style, get that image of the bird 
and then go and Google um, how does a bird learn to fly? And so I got some more insight into parenting from this. Um, and if I just read a bit from what I found out, no bird is born with the ability to fly because it takes practice. Birds are trained by their parents through the power of positive reinforcement. It takes exercise and motivation by parents to help babies reach their full potential of instinct. The main motivation to fly is food. Baby birds know nothing more than at regular intervals their mother will come and drop some food off in their mouth. Slowly their mother will stand further and further away. Hello. I went closer and closer. Needier, needier. You need to need me. I went closer. I didn't go further away. But the mother stands further and further away, forcing the baby to come further out of the nest. The motivation for the baby is always the learning, is realizing it needs food to survive. The motivation to venture out onto the branch. And the chances are that the first few times the baby will fall and that becomes a habitual process. But the bird learns, and get this, it can ease its fall by spreading its wings. So then every time it falls, it will flap its wings more and more. The result of not falling to the ground is called positive reinforcement. And the result of not falling and being able to fly back up to get food will motivate the bird to fly more often. There are also reports of parents who sometimes push the baby out of the nest. Perhaps the baby will not quite realize it can't survive unless it learns how to fly. And it becomes too dependent on their parents. <laughs> Therefore, parents will forcibly teach them that unless they learn how to fly, they will keep hitting the ground and will not get food. Once a bird has experienced flight for the first time, it does not make the second or third time very smooth. The bird will flail its wings clumsily and only sustain itself for a few seconds, if that. Only with practice do they learn the ropes and develop the muscles necessary to flap their wings to their fullest potential. Wow. Phew. That's incredible though, isn't it? I know you said we don't, do we have time, but actually the parallels um, from that world of nature to us, it's just incredible, isn't it? In terms of parenting. Absolutely. So what, as a parent who is really trying to learn to fly yourself, but also help your children fly, what are the lessons that you've, you're really taking away at the moment? The biggest one at the moment um, again, more learning, transactional analysis, parent, adult, child. So I am trying to parent like an adult instead of parent like a parent mm. or respond like a child in my weaker moments. Um, and that in itself is helping me to fly and them to fly too. I suppose the, the cliche is, if you love them, let them go. But sometimes I think that's a bit unhelpful for parents because letting them go can sometimes mean letting them go into situations that really are best avoided. You know, boundaries are massively important, but it's, it's learning to fly within boundaries that suit all the people in the nest. <laughs> yeah, and I guess what you mean by that is that they... 
those boundaries aren't just created by you as the parent. They are sort of, yeah. you say, they're suiting everybody else's sort of needs as well and, and personalities. and Yeah, and that gorgeous word, creative, they, it's co-created. But I've, you see, I've even got that wrong, though. Because, because my version of co-creating and in agreeing boundaries together looked like, this is the thing about flying. You think you've got it. You think you can say it. You think you can do it. But like that little baby trying to fly its nest, it takes practice and you develop your muscles. So my interpretation of co-creating was, right, you lot, we're having a family meeting. Let's all sit down. And I forced my agenda on with token gestures of what do you think? What do you think? <laughs> and um, that is not flying. So we think we can be flying and we are not flying. Mm. So it's, it's just persevering with what does it... Re- Everybody needs to be that, having that feeling inside if they're in a family meeting of empowerment and that they've got a voice and that they can contribute and they're valued rather than it's my agenda we need a meeting because I think that this needs to be worked on Mm. and I have definitely fallen foul to that (laughs) Uh, you know in the moments when I think well it's um this is my job I should be able to facilitate a a family meeting (laughs) meetings all the time and you're right that it's my agenda so it's really it's yeah I guess learning to fly as a parent is about trying to understand everyone's agenda and ensure mm. room for them all somehow mm. um mm. I, I don't think you know that nobody said parenting was easy and that definitely isn't easy is mm. it? it is mm. it is the only way for us to allow our children to have that voice that equal voice where mm. then which is really heard by us as opposed to when we hear their voice thinking, well, it doesn't fit into my agenda. So um, yeah. we probably don't need to hear that right now. And we probably set off, um, even if we don't say it, we probably set off um, signals that say, you know, that say it. Mm-hmm. And, and you can see it in them straight away, can't you? We call it defense mode in our house. You can see the defenses come up. I once had a brilliant quote. This is what worked in the classroom. Uh, someone, I think it was Nikki Gumbel. Um, who created all the alpha courses, and he said that telling a story, you can get messages across before people's defences come up. So if I was teaching, every single lesson I would try to start with a story, be that a published story, a short one, or a personal story, or one from someone in the class. And somehow that can reach people before any defences come up. So when you are in a room with your folk around you, you can literally see, you might deny it inside, but you can see when their defences are coming up. And a lot of it's about the language you use. So the difference between saying, we need a family meeting compared to, does anybody fancy a cuppa? Mm. And letting letting it be, letting it flow, letting it go. Yeah, it's that. So it's, you've mentioned quite a bit when you were talking earlier around your neediness. Oh, gosh, yes. Flying. You also very kindly shared the fact that you do crash and burn and you do uh, it yes. work for you. So can you share an example of when um, 
you haven't, you know, things that have stopped you flying or things. Oh, absolutely. Um, I wrote them. Would you believe I posted this this morning on Instagram? Um, Because one of the ways, one of my, um, the thoughts, recurring thoughts through this lockdown period is all the time and space is so beautiful. Um, and And I feel very blessed to have that. My mind is always with the people that don't. But, um, I was trying to work out, well, goodness me, you know, when we do go back to work, how do I still continue living like this? And so I've been practicing trying that and I've been taking captive all the times I waste time, but not by going to work or traveling to work or whatever, which is the obvious source. Um, I waste time comparing myself to others and fretting about what I should be doing or think I should be doing. And that's the most dangerous word in the English language right there, should. I waste way too much time worrying what other people think about me and then committing the crime of betraying myself in order to fit with those people. Um, not by not committing the time, not investing the time in properly organizing and doing chores that need doing so that then you're free to have more time and space. Um, All of those things we waste time on in our heads Mm -hmm. when we could be employing our heads to much better use. I mean, this is so rich what you said there, isn't it? And I'm just wondering whether I can um, ask you a little bit more detail on that because if there's often most of us know that it's a waste of time to compare ourselves to others or to mm. what others think. What we don't know is how to not do that. It's almost feels mm. like it's so important that we can't let it go. And I just wondered, have you managed to find a way through that? Like, is it that you will never do it? Or? Again, I've, I've managed a way through that by really connecting with my faith and my loved ones and my friends. Uh, and I'm saying that, and I hope no one listening is thinking, gosh, I haven't got loved ones, friends, because I, I didn't have. I withdrew from them all. Um, it, it has to come from you. Um, so I spent a lot of time having a bit of a pity party, um, because circumstances were genuinely tough, um, and, and painful. And no matter what the circumstances, the only person who can change anything is us as as people and um you have to get happy yourself you have to get your oxygen mask on first and um as soon as I became happy with a lot of hard work which is like going to the gym every day anyway it doesn't just happen I have to keep doing it as soon as I became happy then everything changed um I've lost, I've lost a bit of track of what you were saying then. Just say the question again. Uh, well, That's flying, isn't it? That's yeah. flying. 
losing yourself, admitting it, and coming back and saying, can you just help me a minute? Exactly. So don't edit that out, Rachel. Keep that in. <laughs> oh, well. I promise. Uh, but actually, what you've done is trigger another question, really. Go on. Me, which is that you said, I, you know, what I found was it all comes back to me. Um, yes. So my original question was, how do you how do you stop comparing yourself to others? How do you get over the neediness? And what you were mm. saying is, actually, eventually I realized it's about me and only I can do it. And with a yes. lot of hard work, with a lot of hard work that I have to continually keep doing, when I became happier, everything else sort of slipped away or got better. And yeah. although that isn't something to ever rest on your laurels, it's about a muscle that you keep practicing, mm-hmm. um, that has been the difference. So my question, yeah. Sue, is what do you mean by hard work? Like what actual things have you done that have helped you practice that muscle um, towards getting it right for yourself first and getting that oxygen mask on? Um, number one is surrender. Surrender and admit and be transparent that this is the situation you're in this is how you feel um again as we've said always the learning finding really great advocates to learn from who have been there and done that um and (laughs) two of the biggest advocates being my children you know, their responses give you all the evidence you need, <laughs> but don't necessarily want to admit to, to know something's got to change. Um, and not, not exercise, not denying the physical part of mental well-being and the extra time that brings in terms of energy um what else um really really learn this is a giveaway line as well and it's a it's a podcast in itself but really finding that present place and now talk talk about seize the day now when we're forced into lockdown if there was ever a time to find out and practice being in the present, it's now. Um, and not soaking up other people's stuff, working out where you're, where you end and someone else begins mm. and not stepping into their stuff and not allowing them to step into your stuff. So these are all um, fantastic, Sue, in terms of, constant things to just keep practicing and keep trying so when we feel like we've you know are we've crashed and burned actually what do we turn to well we turn to some of these things where first of all we admit it we we admit Mm. ourselves it's that self-honesty then um we find advocates we find inspiration we find people to look to who we can learn from and be we need to be open enough to do that don't we like you were saying Mm. I love the fact that you're right, some of the best lessons I learn are from my children because mm. there's no agenda for them and they just yeah. they just say say things how they are and their truth is really helpful. Um, so, and then this 
thing around actually it's not just about what's going on in your head it's also about the physical side of things yeah uh, and it just reminded me I I had a, a wobbly day earlier this week or you know where I just wasn't flying at all and um I just started I just went out for my one one exercise a day and the difference was huge and nothing oh, yeah. changed in my head but I had physically got moving and it's that sense of I'm gonna move myself through this Mm. So just fantastic, fantastic advice. And I, I'm conscious of our time as well. Yes. Your time. So I'm just going to take us now just to any, I mean, I feel like this podcast has been brilliant for parents in particular. And is there anything else when you're in your um, role as a teacher or as a parent, anything else that you do that, that for others that helps them fly that that some of us can try you know any other thing you might do for us yeah something that came to mind when you were saying that then was the approach I took whenever I became responsible at a higher level in a school and that was again it's straight from the bible um servant-hearted leadership so we're all I don't know if we all grow up with that idea that a leader is someone who doles out uh, advice and instructions and the way of doing things. And um, in every school, what made the difference was by not being the master to slaves, but actually being the servant and being the one that was there in the dinner hall, clearing away alongside the lunchtime staff being the one who would go in and teach a lesson when a teacher looked tired, being the one who was out on playground duty, being the one who was sorting out the library in jeans and a T-shirt, you know, um, serving others. So today, our, our um, group of neighbours have all collected um, food for a food bank and we've taken it down to St Catherine's. And um, the biggest bit of advice I ever got about mental health is as soon as you serve others, whoever that may be, um, something happens inside um, that is intangible. And I think that's definitely what I've taken. So when those teenagers are being challenging, saying, would you like a cup of tea? And not worrying if they don't do the washing up, serving sometimes instead of feeling like the need to be the master. Mm, lovely. That's brilliant, Sue. And I've learned so much from uh, this podcast. I feel like I need to re-listen just to capture some <laughs> of, uh, key, key wisdom and key... Don't ideas. you be editing anything out. I shall watch. <laughs> <laughs> I don't be offended. No, I won't because I don't get offended because I'm flying. <laughs> yeah, she's always a teacher though. Uh, so Sue, anything else from you that you wish you'd have shared um, that um, I didn't ask the right question? that helped you share it no I'm gonna throw it back at you and be a giver and an encourager which is what flying people do and say thank you for leading this movement of teaching children to fly be themselves and I could cry here to be honest and to inspire others which has been missing from every not every classroom because there are some astounding teachers who go against the norm 
right through the UK, we need flying school in schools. And I'm not saying that as an advert. I'm saying that I've felt it, I've seen it, and I've lived the other way, and it doesn't work. So let's fly Ofsted. Come on. Wow. Thank you so much, Sue. And thank you for being a huge uh, encourager of me and helping me fly as well. Thank you. Thank you for your Ditto. time today. And okay. See you soon. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you think it's been helpful, please subscribe and please share with as many people as you know. We'd also love to connect with you via our website, which is www.flyingschool.fun. Thanks for all your support and see you next time.